Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I'm so grateful to be along for the ride with you today. It is Good News Friday. It is Veterans Day. We have some good news about a great World War II story involving a veteran uh, who is now someone we remember on Memorial Day as well as Veterans Day, and Dr. Walt Laramore is going to share his story with us. Uh, first, though, I, I want to start out with a couple of stories that I think are, are very, very uh, beneficial to us here in the body of Christ with regard to people who are focusing on, uh, let's call it the right things versus the wrong things in life. Um, and I think that uh, when we focus on what the right things are and we take a look at the what is good news for the world and what is good news for us in the faith, oftentimes it doesn't necessarily look like something that we see in our own Western American culture. But what we do see is we see um, examples of people who are inadvertently, I guess it's a better way to describe it, uh, helping us to uncover a part of history. You know, I, I I wonder how many of us in the internet age um, how many of us are actually grateful for the stories, for the discoveries, for the advancements in technology, et cetera, et cetera, that we do have available to us that we did not have 15, 20 years ago? I'll go a little tangent here for just a moment. Uh, here's what I mean by, you know, how many of us are aware or not aware. Um, Steve Brown, Bible teacher at Key Life Ministry and uh, has written a number of books. I think we're about scheduled to have Steve on again uh, fairly soon here on the Bottom Line Show. Uh, Steve used to say that one of the keys to understanding who you are as a Christian is to be able to say, I don't know that I don't know that I don't know. And he said, you know, the, the beautiful thing is there are things that you don't know about God or about yourself or about sin. And you could say, I don't know that. But then you can honestly say that you didn't know that the things that you didn't know were sinful and bad. And you didn't know that you didn't know those things are sinful and bad and you didn't know. You get the idea. There, there's a certain measure of grace that God gives us when we there are certain things that we don't know. And I think one of the things that I love about my relationship with the Lord the longer I walk with him is the fact that I, I see things so much differently, in, not in the sense that they're different. They aren't. I mean, God is who he is. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My sin is still my sin, and it's still my responsibility, and yet God made a way for me to find forgiveness for my sin, restitution for the debts that I owe him, and also uh, wiping away that sin and literally becoming a new creation by the power of the Holy Spirit animating my human spirit. And therefore, that means that we then have the opportunity as, as Christians and Christ followers to continue to grow up to be more like him each and every day. That means we take on the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the fact that we are seeing things and seeing people differently than we did. I, I can honestly admit, and I'm not proud of this, but about 30 years ago when I was first starting, into, I mean, I've been in Christian radio for a while, but I started working for a company that was producing a lot of long-form Christian programs. And at that point, I really realized that uh, my faith in Christ was really taking off. And I had a very difficult time with anybody who was outside my denomination because it seemed like my denomination kept, quote unquote, getting it right. And these other denominations did not. And that lasted in me for quite some time. I could tell you what was wrong with Catholics and Lutherans and, you know, I mean, whatever, whatever denominational difference there was, I could tell you what was wrong with them. And then I, I got, came to the realization that one of my 
dearest friends and mentors in the faith who really reinforced me a biblical worldview, Chuck Colson. Uh, he and his wife were both in uh, members of two different denominations, and they were denominations that I never would have darkened the doorway of. And I really had to ask myself the question, what is it about my disdain for different denominations that has led me to this point? And I began to start looking at things through the eyes of others and then asking the question, okay, John 13, 34, and 35, the call to Christ is a call to unity. And unity in the body of Christ is huge. If the same good news has been preached to me as it has been to people in different denominations, and they have responded to the Holy Spirit's prompting in their heart, then who am I to say, you know, obviously we can we can have differences, we will have differences, short of Jesus' return, those differences aren't going anywhere anytime soon. But doesn't it behoove us as Christians to look at different denominational differences and ask the question, which ones are major, which ones are minor? Because the issue isn't so much, are you Presbyterian or Baptist or Methodist? The issue is, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb or not? Did Jesus Christ die to pay the penalty for your sin? Yes, he did. Do you believe that or not? And there are a lot of people who are running around saying, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but every day they're waiting for the lightning bolt to come out of heaven and, and they're trying to find ways to earn favor with God as opposed to saying, wait a minute, there's nothing you can do in that equation. The good news of the gospel. Here we are a few days after a very tense and pivotal election where I was reading a, an article Tuesday night uh, by a guy who's been a guest on the Bottom Line show who's now writing for a kind of center-left type of publication, all the while professing faith in Christ and talking about what's wrong with America and what, what's wrong with um, you know, the Republican Party and what's wrong with conservative Christians and they should be thinking more like him. And I, I began to realize, you know, there's, there's, there's an intellectual divide in terms of, you know, him being an intellectual and most of us being rank and file not. But it was, it was heartbreaking to think, okay, this guy is my brother. We've had conversations before, brother in Christ. Why is it now that we seem like we're so far apart? And I think back to the words of Jesus saying, hey, look, I didn't come to bring unity. I came to bring a sword. I came to separate father from son, mother from daughter, in-laws from each other, etc." All the while saying in John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you, love one another. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So it's in that spirit that we rejoice here on this Good News Friday, that we celebrate those who may have a different opinion about our nation, uh, even within the body of Christ. But understanding, of course, that when it comes to nationalism, we should be, I believe, way more animated by anything that advances the cause of Christ than something that would say, oh, look, so-and-so won this election, therefore uh, we're gonna flip this state red or we're gonna you know, do whatever. It's important to have people who I believe have a, a relationship with the Lord and have good godly values in serving in office. But let's keep a little perspective just for a moment. A case in point, um, a discovery. <laughs> Once again, we have yet more archaeological evidence of our faith in Christ and confirming the timetable. Now, if you know what happened in the Middle East and you know about the uprising that led to the Islamic movement, you have to ask the question, why is it that that was so popular? When did it actually happen? People who are adherents to the Islamic tradition will cite that Jesus is referred to in the Quran, but um, obviously Muhammad is the prophet and, and uh, uh, Mecca is the, you know, the ultimate destination. 
Associated Press is reporting that archaeologists in the United Arab Emirates, UAE, have discovered a monastery on a place called Sanaya Island. This is a dune in the UAE city of Umm al-Qun. It's about 30 miles northeast of Dubai. It's on the Persian Gulf. It's the second monastery discovered in the Emirates, and they estimate that it could be uh, maybe 1,400 years old. Now, why is that significant, you might wonder. Well, the, this, for all the times that the Israeli Antiquities uh, Division and Ministry has been uh, art, authorizing those type of dig, digs in Israel, here's one just outside of Dubai, and the UAE's Culture Ministry is sponsoring this dig. It is ongoing, and it is near the vicinity of buildings that belong to a village that has a very important significance as it pertains to the discovering of Islam. Carbon dating samples of this recently discovered monastery's foundation, uh, they date it somewhere between 534 and 656 AD. Now, why is that important? Well, the monastery has a floor plan that suggests that Christians worshipped in a single aisle church. There's a second building near the structure containing four rooms. That might have been like a parsonage or something like that. Well, that's what we would call it. Uh, other rooms inside the monastery have about baptismal and an oven for baking communion bread, or maybe they were doing communion wafers. There's another section of the building, actually a nave, uh, that likely is where the altar and the place for communion wine was stored. Um, in the early 1990s, archaeologists, archaeologists rather discovered the first Christian monastery in the URE, UAE, and that's a Sirbani Yas Island. That structure dates back to the same period as this new monastery, uh, which is, like I said, between 534 and 656 AD. Now, those timings are very, very important because as Timothy Power, who's an associate professor of archaeology at the UAE University, who was the one who investigated the, uh, the other monastery, he described the present UAE as, quote, a melting pot of nations. Quoting him here in an interview with the Associated Press, uh, the fact that something similar happened here a thousand years ago is really remarkable, and it's a story that deserves to be told. Um, by the way, in case you were wondering, the population of the UAE is about 12% Christian. But according to a State Department report from 2021, the uh, Constitution of the United Arab Emirates declares that Islam is the country's official religion. Now, it's interesting because as a theocracy, as it were, uh, non-Muslim religious communities and can have representatives. Uh, there's a high degree of societal tolerance for minority religions and beliefs. But if you are born in the United Arab Emirates, you're Muslim. Even though 12 out of every 100 people who live there are officially Christian. Now, here's what's interesting, though. I mean, the, the examination of this and other historical Christian sites throughout the Middle East has given some insight into some of the military conquests depicted by the Bible. But what makes this discovery so important is in terms of the timetable, because there are those in the Islamic tradition who look at the references to Jesus, the fact that they believe that Muhammad kind of supersedes any Christ-like character, if you will, in world history. But remember, Muhammad was born in 570 AD and allegedly died somewhere around 632 AD. Uh, he conquered Mecca, which is now known as Saudi Arabia. But this monastery that was discovered recently looks like by carbon dating, it was sometime, it was an operation sometime between 534 AD and 656 AD. So it is conceivable that this monastery was in operation and fully functioning 
right around the time Muhammad, well, several years actually before Muhammad was born. The idea that it's no longer operational, but it was discovered in this ruins, and it's pretty impressive. I mean, quite frankly, to see what they were able to find. Um, it's amazing that there's more and more and more data that's making itself available all the time with regard to um, Old Testament history showing up. Uh, Yav Yaknin of Tel Aviv University's Institute of Archaeology is one of the lead studies, uh, uh, lead authors of the study, gave an interview with the Times of Israel and said, this study is the first to have, quote, a large enough database to conduct reliable archaeomagnetic dating. So the hits just keep on coming. God keeps hiding in plain sight things from several thousand years ago that tell us about our faith, that tell us about the history of the authenticity of the scriptures that we hold so dear. And it's in that story that God reveals a little more truth about who he is. Speaking of stories, there is a phenomenal story that has biblical proportions, I think, as it pertains to World War II. And today here on the Bottom Line Show, or on this Veterans Day edition of the program, uh, Dr. Walt Laramore is going to join me on the next, uh, the other side of this break. He has written a story about his father that's a wonderful memoir about his dad's time in World War II, but it sheds light on a battle that a lot of us here in the States really don't know anything about. The book is called At First Light, a true World War II story of a hero, his bravery, and an amazing horse. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Walt Laramore joins me to talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Don't overpay on interest and fees by going with the wrong lender. Newport Bay Mortgage won't charge you points on your reverse mortgage wherever it is possible for them to do so. You will have peace of mind with the possibility of having additional cash to draw from to pay for unexpected expenses. Owner Cliff and his team do what they can to maximize the amount of cash available to you while minimizing the cost of closing. The result of having another stream of income relieves stress that you didn't even know was there. You'll save thousands by working with Newport Bay Mortgage because they avoid charging you points and they will never tack on unnecessary fees. When considering ways to relieve financial stress in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse. Contact Cliff today. Call 714-741-8080. 714-741-8080. NMLS 332-559. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, a special Veterans Day edition of the program and a great conversation for anyone who's ever served. Uh, I was I, I remember uh, just a couple days ago being in a uh, I was at a supermarket and someone had a video on their phone. They were watching Save it, Pri Saving Private Ryan. And I remember uh, hearing Tom Hanks's voice and saying, boy, there's just some certain stories that are just kind of in, you get enmeshed in the story and then you begin to look at what's happening. And, and it's almost like you were really there. Well, I come across a book that goes even further than that because it's got some firsthand experience of a man who was a World War II hero and a story that's taken about 70, nearly 80 years to actually be told. Dr. Walt Liramore is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Walt is a well-known MD. We've had him on The Bottom Line show many times before talking about medical issues, but he is also the son of a World War II hero, and he's been able to take his dad's story and bring it to light in a brand new book called At First Light, a true World War II story of a hero, his bravery, and an amazing horse. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Walt Laramore, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. 
Roger, it's great to be with you. Thanks for the privilege, especially on Veterans Day. Well, absolutely. You know, this is one of those stories where, you know, I, I, I love a, a true story. I mean, and you are such a great storyteller and a gifted writer. I've always appreciated your work in the medical field. When I started following your social media accounts about how this book came into being, I had an even greater appreciation for the work that you have done as a writer, but also bringing this story to light. Kind of give us a 60-second, maybe 90-second overview, not only of the book, but how difficult it's been to get this book and this story actually told. Well, it's difficult because so many of our war heroes who came back from World War II basically just walled that off. They came back to live their lives and the freedom mm -hmm. that they had secured for all of us but they really didn't like talking about the war. And my dad was one of them. We, my brothers and I knew he was a hero. His small office at home uh, had pictures of generals, including General Eisenhower, all of whom had signed uh, autographs to him as being a great soldier, wow. a war hero, and then a box full of medals. We didn't know what they all were, but it turns out it was every medal of honor that the Army gives, with the exception of the Medal of Honor. But he wow. never talked about it, Roger, until his 45th wedding anniversary. All of us boys were uh, seated with him, and I, I guess he'd just got nostalgic. We knew he had lost his leg in the war, but he never talked about it. And so I just took a gamble. I just said, well, Dad, how did you really lose that leg? And he thought for a minute, he was quiet, and I thought he wasn't going to say anything. And then, Roger, the story started coming out. That was in mm. 1994. And for the next nine years, he told us more and more stories. Quite frankly, they were unbelievable. I mean, it's mm. just we thought they were stories. He described friendship with President Truman. He described uh, interactions with Winston Churchill. He described being uh, serving with General Eisenhower and then playing bridge with him. He described an uh, operation to save the Lipizzan Stallions, a secret you know, mission. He described going on the back of a tank to rescue his men that were trapped. He said he was the youngest officer in World War II and the youngest graduate of, of the Army's Officer Candidate School. And it just mounted up, and we thought maybe it just, you know, he was just making it up. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the story is always, always the same. And then when he passed away in 2003, I found him up in the attic, an army box, a footlocker, shot full of over 400 letters he had written home, three history books written about him. And, and as I began a 16-year journey of researching not just his story, but the story of the forgotten Southern Front in Europe in World War II, everything he said was true. It was literally Unbelievable. It was almost like studying Forrest Gump, except this was true stories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, Laramore is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're talking about the incredible story of his father, Phil. The book is called At First Light, A True World War II Story of a Hero, His Bravery. And we're going to get to The Amazing Horse a little later in the conversation. But the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And needless to say, it's nothing but five-star ratings on Amazon. You know, when you talked about your dad and the fact that he uh, you know, graduated from officer candidate school at such a young age. I want to kind of circle back around on that just to, to frame this, because I love the way you tell this part of the story. He said, look, my dad was not a great student, but he was a great Boy Scout. And that's probably one of the reasons why he uh, he went to military academy. And then three weeks before his 18th birthday, oh, by the way, became the youngest candidate to graduate from officer candidate school. I mean, don't don't gloss over that, Walt Laramore. That's, we've all seen an officer and a gentleman. We know how tough it is to get through that program. But my goodness, to do that as a 17-year-old kid, your dad's amazing. 
Well, it really was. Um, usually, to go to officer candidate school, you have to complete college, and right. he had just barely completed high school. But because he was a juvenile delinquent as a kid, getting in all sorts of trouble, he was a latchkey child and mm-hmm. never really did well in school. But he loved the outdoors. He loved boy scouting. He swam across the Mississippi River twice during flood stage. He wow. he rode horses. He, they said he could shoot corn kernels off of fence posts from, oh my from 50 gosh. yards. You know, camping and that was his life. So when he went to military school, he really found his groove, became a leader there. And because of that, was allowed to go to OCS and then graduate, like you said, three weeks before his birthday, commissioned on his 18th birthday. And as far as we can tell, was the youngest frontline soldier in World War II and became one of the most decorated uh, in the 15 months that that he fought. You mentioned this scene from A Few Good Men, uh, that especially that courtroom scene where mm-hmm. the character played by Tom Cruise is, is interrogating the general played by Jack Nicholson. Dad had a very similar experience. Because he lost his leg just a month before the end of the war, he came back, he rehabbed, but the Army had this inhumane, I think, horrific policy, and it was this. If you were an officer and you gave up a limb, an arm or a leg for your country fighting, they no longer considered you an officer and a gentleman. You were discharged. You could not stay in the Army because they considered you incomplete, less than an officer, less than human. And Dad thought that that was inhumane, that it was unfair, and he fought that with the help of President Truman, with the help of General Eisenhower, with the help of congressmen and senators, and he battled all the way up to a final hearing uh, at Walter Reed Hospital. And that hearing it was brutal. It's just like that movie scene. Mm. And he always talked about how vicious it was and how mean the officers were, how they looked down upon amputees. But I found the transcript of that trial oh, in my. the National Archives. It makes up two chapters of the book. It's stunning reading. And, and fortunately, that policy was overturned, and now our armed services honor those who have given not just a life for our country, but have given a limb for their country. Literally, literally giving of themselves and still living to tell the story. Uh, the brand-new book by Walt Larimore, Dr. Walt Larimore, M.D., uh, At First Light, a true World War II story of a hero, his bravery, and an amazing horse. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're a couple minutes before we, where we would ordinarily take a break, but Walt, I want to give you enough time to to tell the story, uh, to, to whet the appetite for those who would want to read this book. And so we're going to break right now. Uh, Dr. Walt Larimore and Mike Yorkey are the co-authors of this book, At First Light. Took a true miracle to get the story told, because Dad wouldn't open up and talk about it. And then through the publishing world, it's taken, Walt, a uh, uh, couple decades to really get this story to, to be where it is right now and where we have it linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. But I think uh, with today being Veterans Day, it will be a fascinating read for you and for anyone else in your family. Let's take that break and come back with more of Dr. Walt Laramore in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. When you're injured in an accident, you just want to be treated like a human being. But when you are denied what you need to make a quick and full recovery, it can feel dehumanizing. Stephanie Cover puts her client's total healing first, and that means fighting for a settlement that respects you as a human being. The insurance companies don't necessarily care about why you need a settlement, but they know that it means they will lose money. Stephanie will stand up for a dollar amount that values your life and the full process of your complete restoration. 
Even when the insurance companies are doing their best not to pay you, you have a leg up because Stephanie Covery used to work for those same insurance companies. Getting you well-positioned for your full physical, financial, and spiritual recovery is Stephanie's goal in working with you. Save her number now or call 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Are you enjoying this conversation with Walt Laramore as much as I am? My goodness, the book At First Light, a true story, a true World War II story of a hero, his bravery, and an amazing horse is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Unbelievable to think about this story and the number of D-Days that did or didn't happen or that we didn't know about. But this is something I like to call missed history. It's a part of our time here on this planet where things have happened and we didn't know them. And to my point earlier about Steve Brown, the Bible teacher and theologian who talked about the things that, you know, you didn't know, you didn't know, you didn't know. This story that Walt is telling about his dad, Phil, is one of those pieces of American history that makes us here on a Veterans Day really appreciate the sacrifices of the men and women who literally were willing to lay down their lives and in Phil's case actually lost a limb. Um, the book At First Light is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we do have one copy of it to give away today here on Veterans Day. I'd love to place it in your hands, and since you are listening to the first segment, which is airing in the first half hour of the program, not the whole network is connected, uh, as a bonus to you, I'd like to give you first dibs on the phone calls. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book you're going to be asking for. We have one copy, so we're doing a drawing. We're getting everyone's data and information, and then we'll do the drawing at the end of the hour. Uh, the book is called At First Light, a true World War II story of a hero, his bravery, and an amazing horse by Walt Laramore and Mike Yorkie. It's about uh, uh, Army officer Phil Laramore, a guy who actually made it into officer's candidate school be- without graduating from college and graduated three weeks before his 18th birthday and has just a truly remarkable story to tell. And to hear Walt Laramore describe the efforts they went through to get this story told to get dad to actually spill the beans about what he experienced in World War II, and now this tremendous book that I think will make a great major motion picture at some point as well. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we'll take a quick break and uh, continue with our Good News Friday Veterans Day edition of the Bottom Line Show. And by the way, if you're a veteran, if you're serving now or if you have served, thank you so very much for your service and your willingness to put your life on the line to defend our freedoms and defend our nation. More of this great conversation with Walt Laramore in just a moment as the Bottom Line continues. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today. Wilson Financial Services, honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. 800-696-9970. Just reviewed a client who put money into 3D Alternative versus leaving it in a bank. The results are in and they're fun. It's a fun report. Bank Zero, God's Kingdom, two churches in Africa. I often wonder why God's people don't do a better job with stewarding God's money. And I personally think one of them is that they've never been told how or why they should be doing it. Maybe they never heard it's God's money and we're only to be the good stewards of it. But just for fun, this turned out Bank Zero, God's Kingdom, two churches in Africa. This isn't your money. This is God's money. And we want to show you how to be the best possible steward you can be. 
Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Dr. Walt Laramore, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Walt is the author of many books, of 40 plus, and they've all been centered on health and family and nutrition and, and, and things that you know he has been involved in in the medical practice for many years. But uh, his newest book is a bit of a departure. It's called At First Light, A True World War II Story of a Hero, His Bravery and an Amazing Horse, uh, written by Walt and Mike Yorkie. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And that true World War II hero is your dad, Phil. Um, can you take us back to uh, the beachhead, Anzio, February 1944? I mean, let, let's get into the guts of World War II and, and why it is that uh, your dad's heroic story is being told in this book. Roger, I appreciate that because it's not just his story. It's the story of the two million men who fought in Europe, particularly those who fought on the forgotten, not remembered Southern Front which may have been the most critical front. Everyone knows the Northern Front. For example, Roger, I'm going to put you on the on this. So when I say D-Day, what do you think of? Uh, Normandy. Of course. Did I get that right? Yeah. yeah, sure. No one, no one knows the Southern guys had five D-Days. Mm. And the battalion that Dad was in, the 3rd Battalion of the 30th Infantry Regiment, had seven D-Days. Good Lord. I well, I mean, I, got, I have to stop you right here for just a second. Everyone knows D-Day, right? I mean, that's the biggest, that's the baddest, that's the worst. And to say that your dad endured five of those, and we're not, we're just now hearing about that, and there were seven others in other places, why do those stories not get, are we that lazy as Americans? I mean, I hate to say that, but I mean, that we just, this is the story. We've all memorized it. Let's just, n- nothing more to see here. Well, if we talk about the Southern Front, about the only thing many Americans know about is the Kazarine Pass in North Africa, because that was then mm-hmm. the Patton movie. And yeah, that's okay. the bottom line. General yeah. Patton, General Bradley, and General Montgomery were publicity hounds. They wanted everything they did and everything they said recorded by a press that they kept surrounding them. The generals in the Southern Front didn't care about the press. Mm-hmm. They cared about the war. They cared about fascism, and they cared about defeating Hitler, not playing up to the press. I'll give you an example of, of why they're forgotten. So a lot of people think the first city liberated in Europe was Paris in August right. of 44. No, it was Rome in June of 1944. Mm. So the guys on the southern front made a mistake. They liberated June. Uh, they liberated Rome on June 4th and 5th. Well, guess what happened June 6th? Mm-hmm. Normandy. Yep. And so Eric Severide, a famous CBS reporter, and all of the reporters that were ma- making the story, they, they could uh, transmit their stories one hour a day, and they were getting ready to transmit their stories about Rome being liberated. And guess what happened? A BBC reporter came in and said, guys, throw your stories away. Normandy has started. And so these guys were forgotten. But the Northern Front guys, I mean, they're heroes, no question. But they fought 336 days. The Southern Front guys fought 913, a D-Day on French Morocco, a D-Day on Sicily, a D-Day in Salerno, a D-Day in Anzio that you mentioned, and then a massive D-Day in Southern France. Couldn't have won the war without it. There was one Battle of the Bulge in the north. There were two in the south, one of which could have lost the entire war. There was a Battle of the Hurricane Forest in the, in the north, which was horrible, but it pales in comparison with the Battle of the Vosges Mountains in the south. In fact, throughout recorded human history, no army 
has ever conquered the Vosges Mountains, ever, except the U.S. Southern Front guys. And they did it in the worst winter in the history of Europe. And so this story is to honor, to resurrect, to revitalize the memory of the Southern guys and, and what they did, their suffering, their sacrifice, and most of all, their unreported success. Mm, boy, Walt Willaramore is with me today here on The Bottom Line, and I love these stories of what I like to call missed history, where uh, there are things that actually did happen. We have documentation of them, and yet when it comes to the media narrative, and this is where my end of the industry is, is very negligent, it's amazing to me how many people have stories like yours, Walt, and this story is, is so huge. I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, but, you know, Saving Private Ryan, right? Tom Hanks, so, I mean, uh, Matt Damon, right? I mean, come on, we <laughs> Hollywood knows how to do this. But oftentimes, I think the stories that do get lost, and, and uh, to be fair, Walt, you mentioned that your dad, Phil, was part of that generation, too, that greatest generation that came back with these war stories and just sat on them, you know, for whatever they did. Did you ever get a chance, you know, with your medical training to talk to your dad and ask him about why it was so difficult for him to talk about this? I mean, that, that seems like it was a very common theme. Was the horror of war that bad or was just something you just nobody else talked about it? Why should I? Well, I think you've hit on part of it, Roger. These guys, in general, went over to be heroes, to be John Wayne, to kick the heil out of Hitler. It was adventure, <laughs> and it was you know, it was excitement, and it yeah. was it was manhood, and and it was America, and it was all this patriotism. And when they arrived on the front line, that literally disappeared in a day. Mm. Dad, Dad came on Anzio. That was his first war experience. In January of 44, uh, they were completely surrounded by the Germans who were embedded in the mountains and could literally bomb every square inch of Anzio. And he was leading what was called an A&P platoon, Ammunition and Pioneer. So their job was to go out after sunset into no man's land to set mines, to defuse mines, to set wire, to cut wire. And the first night he was out, Roger, one of his privates, literally blew his face off, made a mistake with a mine mm -hmm. right next to dad and blew his face off. The next day, he was with another man. They were walking back from the front line, and an anti-aircraft gun that was aimed horizontally, it's called an 88, and an 88-millimeter shell that cut this man in half a foot away from dad. Mm. And then the third day that, that, that he was there, one of his new men, he was new, but it was just getting ready to be dawn at first light, and two German soldiers in no man's land stood up with a white flag yelling, comrade, comrade, which was their way of saying surrender. Dad knew that there were many, many fake surrenders. The Germans mm -hmm. were evil and devious. And as soon as the two guys stood up and said, comrade, comrade, one of his men stood up to go get them. And Dad screamed, get down, get down. But before the guy could, Two, two snipers shot him through the head. Hmm. And so immediately exposed to the frontline horror, the smells, the blood, the terrible, terrible battles. Every day they would get up thinking, I literally may not make it home. He called it that one lead pill that would finish everything. And so, Roger, what they began to do was they began to fight for each other. It was that unit cohesion. It was the love they had for their buddies and the love of people home, their girls, their parents, their family, they wanted to get home, but they wanted to come home to a free country, and they knew that their job was to do that. And so when they did, they left the war behind. They yeah. were, in general, very loyal to their mm -hmm. families, to their 
through their wives. Most of the guys in the book, except for one, Audie Murphy, had long 40, 50, 60 year marriages. They were loyal to their kids. They were loyal to their jobs. Most of them only went worked one job. Dad was a beloved professor for 50 years, and they loved their country. They got up every morning breathing the freedom that they had earned. And I hope a book like this will remind us, even in these politically divided days, that we sit on the soldiers or some true heroes. We walk in footsteps that are much bigger than ours, and we're at risk of losing that freedom and losing that that liberty and my prayers that we can look back on them with gratitude and yes. resurrect the, the, the remembrances of what they've done. Dr. Walt Laramore is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're taking a look at his brand new book that's an homage to his, uh, his father, Phil. Uh, the book is called At First Light, a true World War II story of a hero, his bravery, and an amazing horse. We only have a couple minutes left, uh, Walt, and I, there are a couple of questions I wanted to ask. One is about your dad's faith, because obviously uh, you grew, grew up in a home where morals and values and you know things like that were mirrored. But also, what about the horse? I mean, <laughs> Uh, well, I don't want to give away the end of the story, but okay. uh, three days before he lost his leg, a month before the end of the war, because he was an equestrian, he had uh, grown up a as a horseman. Uh, he had seen the Lipizzan Stallions on his ninth birthday as a kid. He had trained with dressage, fancy horse riding. He trained mules and Anzio to carry ammo to the front and also used them in the Vosges Mountains. So his commanders many of whom were equestrians, knew he was. And there was a rumor going around that Hitler had sequestered all of the Lipizzan horses in the world in Czechoslovakia. Along with making the perfect Aryan race, he wanted to make the perfect breed. But the Russians were coming in Czechoslovakia, and they were eating everything in their path. In fact, one trailer load of 22 Lipizzans had been killed, skinned, cooked, and eaten by the Russians. So the Nazi vets were scared to death that the Lipizzans were going to die. They asked the Americans to come help. Dad was sent in along with a pilot on a secret mission to find the Lipizzans, and he did. And it was where he, when he, he visited the horse farm with a Nazi vet, he rode a horse, actually a, a champion thoroughbred. Three days later, lost his leg. That story of the Lipizzans went up the, up the command to Patton, who authorized Operation Cowboy, which went into Czechoslovakia illegally, saved the Lipizzans. But Dad was being shipped home to rehab in a hospital for losing his leg. He also lost, almost lost his faith. It was just, he was so discouraged being, sure. being a, an amputee. And two things he says saved his life. One was, the commander sent that horse that he had ridden in Czechoslovakia, General Patton, had sent that back to the U.S. so Dad could rehab on that horse. But the second thing was he was talking to a chaplain one day, and he wrote a letter about it. He said he was he was just feeling terrible about being an amputee and and no longer full person. And he wrote this, this is what the chaplain said. He said, son, your wound will either make you a bitter person or a better person. Mm. It will either harden your heart or soften it. You'll either be a person changed for the worse or one who chooses, who chooses to make the world better. And then the chaplain said, according to Dad's letter, in my opinion, the worst disability in life isn't being disabled. It's being disabled with a bad attitude. Okay, hmm. the Germans smashed your leg, but don't let them shatter your heart, your Amen. talents, your gifts, your will, or your faith in God and his plan for you. The choice is really up to you. And don't all of us, with the difficulties we have, face those same choices. And so this letter from 80 years ago resonates with my heart and with my spirit. 
and I hope it does for all of us. Well, this is an incredible book, and I highly recommend it. I, I can't wait. I, I'm speaking to things that aren't as if they were right now, Walt Laramore, but I can't wait for the movie because this would be – I mean, I can't wait for, for someone with the right hands and the right backing to put this thing to, to uh, the, the light of day on the big screen because I think it would be a tremendous impact for all of our culture. The book called At First Light, A True World War II Story of a Hero is Bravery and an Amazing Horse. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Walt Laramore, great to catch up with you. Thank you for sharing this story. I, I know that we just kind of scratched the surface, and hopefully we can circle back around and maybe continue the conversation later. But for now, thank you. Happy Veterans Day. Day from all of us here at the Bottom Line Show. Thanks for your time today. You're welcome, Roger, and God bless. What a great conversation. What a fantastic resource, especially here on this Veterans Day. My thanks again to Dr. Walt Laramore in the book, At First Light, a true World War II story of a hero, his bravery, and an amazing horse. Link for that is up at thebottomlineshow.com. I mentioned earlier we have one copy of this book to give away. I'd love to place it in your hands today. 800-227-5278. That is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Teresa and Crystal standing by to take your calls. Today on this Veterans Day, a perfect resource for you to uh, to read, to enjoy, and then to share with somebody else. The book is called At First Light, A True World War II Story of a Hero, His Bravery, and an Amazing Horse. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278. That is the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, a couple of true heroes to take a look at, including a former... NFL Hall of Famer. Well, he's not former. He's actually in the Hall of Fame. And somebody who looks like she went to school with him. (laughs) But she missed it by about 35 years. We'll tell you both of their stories coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line Show. My thanks again to Dr. Walt Laramore, the co-author of a brand new book about his dad's World War II experience. The book is called At First Light, A True World War II Story of a Hero, his bravery and an amazing horse and you have to read the book to find out about the horse 800 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line uh you know it's interesting because uh walt laramore's dad phil is the focal point of the story it was in february of 1944 when he had recently graduated from the officer's candidate school at fort benning in georgia and he was landing on Anzio Beach in Italy, uh, put in charge of an ammunition pioneer platoon of the 3rd Infantry Division. A simple job, deliver ammunition to the frontline foxholes, which was a dangerous assignment because you had to go into the place they called no man's land. It's a great tale of courage and daring and heroism and faith and family. And I think it's just as interesting, the story of how Walt Laramore was able to get his dad to tell that story because you know a lot of people from the greatest generation really aren't terribly talkative, you know, about um, the things that they've lived through and the things they've been through. Uh, Speaking of that, and give us a call, 800-227-5278. We've got one copy of this book to give away. Speaking of that, the baby boomers kind of like that as well. And I would never equate playing in the NFL with, um, you know, fighting in World War II. But just an interesting story I wanted to share with you. It's kind of a Good News Friday thing, especially here during football season. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, you remember the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 1970s. Uh, Terry with the funky little, uh, remember the crossbar thing he used to wear on his helmet? His was strange. Everybody else had those kind of just a single bar, you know, whatever the cage was. He had that crazy little, you know, white little narrow deal. Anyway, 
1970s, the Steelers had been kind of a dud, and then all of a sudden they became behemoth. They went to four Super Bowls in the 1970s and won four of them. I think their last one was uh, the Super Bowl for the 79 season going into 1980. Isn't that where they beat the Rams like 31 to 19? And we were just so excited the Rams got in the Super Bowl, but you know they really didn't stand a chance against the Steelers. Well, of late, people have been commenting about Terry Bradshaw because it seems like he hasn't been himself. Um, not too long ago, he is a regular on Fox NFL Sundays, one of the commentators, and it looked like he was having a hard time getting through the broadcast. And, and he said, you know, basically what happened was he said, you know, I, I was having a hard time breathing. And people were saying, well, get this guy off the air. He needs to be off the air because he, he's an embarrassment. And he said, my response was, I'm an embarrassment. I've got cancer. And true story, Terry Bradshaw was diagnosed in uh, uh, the fall, November of, uh, of 2021, was diagnosed with bladder cancer. And when he was first diagnosed, he said it was kind of like a punch to the gut, but he didn't tell his family. He just went and started getting treatment. Well, a couple months later, now we're in March or so of 2022, and he said he noticed a little pain in his neck and his shoulder, went to the doctor, and they discovered a lump on the left side of his neck, and it turned out to be a tumor. More cancer more surgery. So finally he opened up to his wife, Tammy, and said, you know, honey, this is what I'm going through. And they, they, they have gotten through it. But as, you know, two cancer battles in less than 12 months, and he's in his 70s and he's just kind of wiped out. He said, you know, I didn't talk about it because quite frankly, I didn't want any pity. He recently went on the Today Show, first of the month, and, and said, you know, a lot of celebrities, you know, when something like this happens, all of a sudden, they're putting pictures up on social media. They're trying to get people to kind of, quote, unquote, feel sorry for them. Uh, they get a little thirsty, I think they say, in the industry, where uh, if someone is trying really hard to get someone to like their social media posts, they'll call them thirst traps. But he said, you know, I, yeah, I didn't want to be one of those people where people said, oh, poor Terry, bless his heart, his poor wife, the guy died of cancer and whatever. Well, Terry Bradshaw is still here. He said, I didn't want that all to happen, so it took me a long time before I even told my family. So the interviewer on the Today Show asked him, well, did you not tell him because you were scared? And he said, well, first and foremost, I wasn't scared because I don't think cancer cares where it lands. You know, so it wasn't like they said, ooh, let's go get Terry Bradshaw because cancer doesn't have any favoritism. But then once he got the diagnosis, here's what he said that really stuck with me. He said, you know, as a man of faith, as a Christian, my attitude was, well, if I go, I'm okay. And if I stay, I'm okay. Okay. I mean, that's, it's refreshing. What a wonderful attitude to have. And it was so nice to hear Terry Bradshaw sharing that attitude with people and, you know, letting them know that as a Christian, you know, as I, if I live, I live as under the Lord. As I, If I die, I die as under the Lord. Wonder how much more effective our witnessing could be if we brought more of that attitude to the table. Good on you to Terry Bradshaw for being uh, uh, open enough to share about his cancer journey and the attitude that keeps him going. Now, I mentioned before the break that uh, Terry Bradshaw and our next featured profile have a little something in common, like they might've gone to school together, but Adele Julie Thompson does not fit that category at all. She just had a landmark birthday. And with that birthday and her faith in the Lord, She's making headlines. What did she say on that 107th birthday celebration of hers that got tongues wagging? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
Over the weekend, I did a little math, and I want to thank you as a bottom line listener for the way that you have stepped up to help our friends at Preborn save babies' lives. Now, when we started this campaign back in the first part of October, our goal was to save 400 children by Christmas Day, and you have stepped up in a huge way. But I didn't think that we would also have the opportunity to provide that kind of sponsorship and put an ultrasound machine in. An ultrasound machine lasts about 10 years. It provides 250 ultrasounds per year, which means it's going to save about 2,500 babies' lives over the course of that 10-year period. Ultrasound machine costs $15,000. So far, because of your generosity, you've helped us raise enough money to place an ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic and have provided ultrasounds for 229 kids. We're about 171 away from that stated goal, and I know we can do it. Can you give a $280 donation right now to save 10 more babies' lives? 833-850-BABY is the number to call, or go to kbrightradio.com and click on the preborn banner. Go to thebottomlineshow.com, go to rogermarsh.com, click on the preborn banner. It takes about 30 seconds to save the life of a baby. Go to preborn and save babies' lives today. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Final segment for taking calls for the great book by Walt Larimore about his father, Phil, called At First Light, a true World War II story of a hero, his bravery, and an amazing horse. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you're a veteran, if you know somebody who is a veteran, they will love this story. So make sure you get the call into the girls before the top of the hour, and then we'll have our drawing for the winner. You know, when you think about this, Phil... Uh, uh, Phil Larimore, who is Walt Larimore, Dr. Walt Larimore's father, was born in 1926. He turned 18 in 1944, and that's when he got involved in uh, the what one of the lesser-known D-Day attacks uh, in Italy and in France and Germany. And what's interesting about his story is he was born in 1926. The subject of our next story was born 11 years before him. As a matter of fact, she just celebrated a birthday. Adele Julie Thompson was born on October the 10th, 1915 in South Carolina. She has lived through, she just turned 107. And so her friends and family held a parade in her honor, which I think is really cool. Um, Here's how old she is. She has lived through 18 U.S. presidencies. And remember how many of them were more than one term. In all honesty, she said, she never dreamt that she would ever live long enough to see a black person elected president until President Barack Obama was elected in 2008. Um, she was raised in the town of Santee, which I find very interesting because our bottom line show listeners on AM 1240, uh, Cape Bright, uh, know the Santee in California, but this is Santee in South Carolina. She was recently interviewed by a uh, uh, television station WLTX there and was asked... You know, what? what's the, the secret here? She said, well, I had no big dream of being 107. But the Lord spared me, and I try to do the right thing, and I guess uh, you do so, and then people don't talk about you all that much. <laughs> she said, yeah, Santee now is a city. In the past, I mean, it's way past the city. It's a big deal. She attended school in Ellery. She served as a substitute teacher in the 1930s. She married Eddie Thompson in 1940. And then she worked for years on a farm with her four brothers. She picked cost, cotton and did domestic work. She said, you know what? I could pick 260 pounds of cotton every day. Uh, and then she said, I'm never going to do it ever again. Uh, Thompson and her husband 
raised three children. She has six grandchildren, 14 great-grandchildren, and three great-great-grandchildren. But you know what's beautiful about this is she said, I thank the Lord for having me to do the right thing and to continue to do the right thing until I go. And she credited her obedience to the word of God for her longevity, reading the Bible every day. She was born in Santee, raised in Santee, South Carolina, and will end her days in Santee, South Carolina. But she says, as long as I spend the time in the word each day and I spend time in prayer each day, God has blessed me with a long and beautifully productive life. Well, Adele Thompson, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for living such a wonderful, uh, remarkable life and still going strong at 107 years young. We'll put an article about her up at thebottomlineshow.com as well. And for those uh, final calls on this first hour of our Veterans Day Good News Friday program, Walt Larimore's book about his father, Phil Larimore, who only would have been 96 this year, by the way, um, had he lived. At first light, a true story of World War II story of a hero, his bravery, and an amazing horse is up at thebottomlineshow.com. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCB, KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we've got Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up for you. Uh, for those who remain on the network, uh, we've got another fabulous Good News uh, Friday story to share. This one involving not family or parents that have lived 107 years, but how about parents that have raised 107 kids? Did that pique your interest? 107 children. Uh Coming up another week, it's going to be International uh, World Adoption Day. And uh, with foster care and adoption on the minds of so many, our next Good News Friday story on the other side of this break will truly be an encouragement to you and to those with whom you enjoy not only raising kids or grandchildren or great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren like Adele Thompson, but also if you enjoy football too. A great Good News story on the other side of this break coming up next as the bottom line continues. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We don't always have a theme. I mean, it's Veterans Day, and thanks to everyone who has served in our military or is serving in our military right now. I appreciate your service. We all do. Um, And I know that it takes a toll on a family. It takes a toll on the people who actually do the serving. And, And if you need help and resources, please get them. Check it out. And if your church is doing something, please let us know. Uh, to help veterans and their families, and we would really appreciate hearing from you in ways that we can be a benefit there. You know, when the body of Christ is at its best, the body of Christ is living out the gospel call and living it out in such a way that the world takes notice. You know, we've been talking about our friends at Preborn and how the preborn world has been uh, hugely benefited by us here at the Bottom Line Show. I'm, the, Dizzy Dean once said, bragging ain't bragging if you got the facts to back it up. And I can honestly say that the campaign here that we have going on with preborn has been nothing short of spectacular over the past, well, the first five weeks it's been in operation. And thanks to everyone who has participated thus far. And I encourage you to uh, continue to participate. You can go online to thebottomlineshow.com, rogermarsh.com. You'll find the uh, pre-born banner right there, and you can click. And uh, on the rogermarsh.com, you have to scroll down a little bit. There is a tiny little, comes up perfectly on your phone. 
If you're looking on your phone, you go to rogermarsh.com, you'll find the preborn banners right there. Just boom, boom, chakalaka laka, and there it goes. But um, if you call 833-850-2229, you can make a donation. $28 uh, will provide one ultrasound appointment for a woman who is in need of an ultrasound. And we have found statistically that more and more people, uh, more and more families, when they go and see the ultrasound together, and I encourage mom and dad to go together, when they see the ultrasound, but when mom sees the baby, that picture of that baby in the womb, and here's the heartbeat for the first time, 83 times out of 100, mom says, okay, I know I now have three options. Option number one is I'm a mommy. Option number two is I'm going to carry this child to term and release that child into an adoptive family. And option number three, of course, legally in half the states in the U.S., is you can abort the child. But here's the thing that I, I love about what preborn does. They're not preachy, and yet they're hugely evangelistic. I mean, so far this year, something like 7,000 women have come to faith in Christ because of the witness of preborn. Not someone with rosary beads or a big, heavy Bible hitting them over the head, but just living out their faith. And you think of the influence you living out your faith actually has on people. Your $28 donation provides one ultrasound. 2800 does it for 100 kids. And a $15,000 donation will provide an ultrasound machine that can provide up to 250 ultrasounds a day for years and years and years. I saw a nonprofit organization, a leading one, faith-based one the other day, doing some fundraising and saying, hey, we need your $60 donation to provide an ultrasound. And I went, $60? Preborn does it for 28 I can have two babies' lives saved for less than one for what they're doing. I don't know what their story is, and I won't mention them on the air, but I won't mention them by name. I just mentioned them on the air. But your $28 is very, very effectively used, and 100% of all the monies you donate to preborn goes to the ultrasound, either to getting an ultrasound machine or providing the ultrasound and pregnancy test. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Go to kbrightradio.com. Go to thebottomlineshow.com. Go to rogermarsh.com. There are lots of ways you can, you'll find a banner on each one of those sites. Click the pre-born banner and make your best donation. We talk about the sanctity of human life and how important it is for us as Christians to be examples, not just to talk to talk, but to walk to walk. Um, Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren have been known for, I mean, big family. <laughs> I think they raised 11 children of their own. One part of the story that they don't always tell is that is now being told is the fact that they have not only adopted children into their family, but they have fostered children as well. They were on the Today Show last week, and they were discussing the decision that they made uh, to... Lauren says, look, we love kids. I mean, children are our passion. And we believe that we can pour our lives into theirs and help them and to guide them through life. So we made a decision early on that when it came to foster care and, and the kids that they've adopted are kids that they adopted from having been foster parents. They said, we, we determined that when we said we were going to be a foster care family that we would never say no to a kid that needs a home, especially a kid in crisis. Well, most kids in foster care are in crisis. They need a home. They need stability. They need love. So we opened our doors to these kids. Now, Tony Dungy and his wife, Lauren, had, I believe they had five or six biological children, then they wound up adopting four or five others. Tony's job, very demanding between his years as an NFL football coach and then um, 
TV analyst and you know and, and speaker and writer. I mean, they, they've got very full and complete lives. Do you know how many children the Dungies have fostered so far? One hundred. <laughs> In addition to having is it five or six biological kids and then adopting some of their other foster kids, they're the parents of eleven children, and they've fostered a hundred more. Now, is it any wonder why the Dungies wrote a book about their experience called Uncommon Influence, saying yes to a purposeful life? We definitely need to get them on to talk about this. But basically, the, the idea is they want to encourage people to let God lead. Because faith and purpose, they say, are literally intermingled. Um, it's funny because when someone asks them, well, what about... The 11 kids, your adopted children, you know, out of the foster care system, the biological children that you had, why 11? Tony said, well, I have to admit, um, I'm a coach and I'm used to large groups of kids. Lauren is a teacher. She's used to large classrooms of kids. We just think in larger numbers. I thought Tony was going to say that Tony Dungy wanted to have 11 children because that gave him uh, either a good offensive unit or a defensive unit for a football team. <laughs> that that would have made sense to me. But, you know, it's, it's, I, I just love the idea that when they came to this situation, the first thing they didn't say was, okay, God, we want to give ourselves to this ministry, and these are our terms. If you ever want to trip yourself up, up in the faith life, in the faith journey, do that. Come to God with conditions. Come to God with limits. People have asked me, and I'll share myself as an example here, hope it helps, uh, when it came to broadcasting. I loved broadcasting from the moment I first heard transistor radio stuff and uh, really thought, wouldn't this be cool? I mean, I just couldn't get past the fact that I wanted to make a living doing this. And God honored my request. Now, granted, it was difficult. I mean, I, 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 I've done things in the broadcast world that I didn't know the only way my colleagues were doing it was because they were married to people who had real jobs and it made it a lot easier for them to do their lives. I just, I was the breadwinner when the kids were younger. I mean, I just went out there, two, three jobs, whatever it was, I did it because I wanted this, but I believe God was blessing me to accomplish this. But it was interesting, when I look back on this now, people ask me, well, what what's your secret to being able to do this? I mean, you're in your 40th year doing it. And I said, quite frankly, my job desire was pretty minimal. It was pretty basic. I wanted to get a job and I wanted to stay employed. <laughs> that literally was what I wanted to do. Those were the only conditions I had. Other than that, I said, God, wherever we're going, I'm going with you, obviously. You lead me and I will follow. And I hear a lot of that in the ministry of Tony Dungy and his wife, Lauren him getting into coaching and not saying, well, I want to be a coach in this market. I want to work with these people. He said, I want, to, I want to have an influence in the lives of younger professional athletes or collegiate athletes. When it came to fostering kids, he said, look, this is our purpose. This is our passion. We're both used to larger numbers of kids, but they didn't come in and say, Lord, we would like to be the foster parent of a young girl who's about this age that we could eventually adopt into our family who will get along just great with all of our other kids. He said, look, we know how foster care works. We understand what, what this is like for these kids. They don't have a choice in the matter. They've had a hellish situation at home in many cases, and now they're in foster care because the state's taken them out of that home. 
And we want to provide loving stability for that child. And I'm grateful for families like the, the Dungies that have been so committed to fostering and being open about their faith. Everybody knows who Tony Dungy is in the NFL world. And he said some things that oftentimes go on social media that don't go unnoticed because of his faith, because he's an African-American, because, I mean, there's a lot of things that Tony Dungy has to watch out for in terms of his attackers and critics. But I don't think anybody can fault the Dungies for their position on fostering. In the same way that we talk about preborn and how beautiful it is that uh, their commitment is just to say, look, we'll show you an ultrasound. And then we'll give you the best information possible as to what your options are. And one of them is to adopt that child into a family like the Dungies. So thank you, Tony and Lauren Dungy, for being another example of famous people living out their faith. And thank you for everyone who has supported our preborn campaign, which is ongoing between now and the end of the month at least. 833-850-BABY or go to kbrightradio.com, thebottomlineshow.com or rogermarsh.com and you can find links for the preborn banner. We'll take a quick break and as we continue, more good news from our dear friend Stephanie Cover with Cover Law. She's in studio with me to talk about life, to talk about faith and to talk about this time of the year. It's all coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive 6% CD alternative. This unique real estate-backed investment has continued to perform exceptionally well in good times and in bad. I just reviewed a client file, and it really felt bad because in reviewing the file, I realized that if they had followed the advice they had received, if they'd have put the money in the CD alternative, as I had recommended, they would have earned enough to build a church in Africa. Instead, the money is still in the bank, earning nothing but dust. I realized how important it is to know it's God's money and we're just a good steward of it. One simple idea on the CD alternative would build a church in Africa. Honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Special guest joining me in studio today here on The Bottom Line, Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I will ever recommend. Uh, Stephanie with an F, Cover is in cover, 877-214-4935, or you can just go to kbrightradio.com and type in kbrightradio forward slash Cover Law, and you're going to find Stephanie Cover. Stephanie, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you, Roger, for having me here. It's always good when you come into the studio with a smile on your face, <laughs> because I know how challenging it has been for you. Um, in the years that we've worked together, but especially over the past couple of years, it seems like, I mean, not to over-spiritualize this, but we talk about often the fact that there's spiritual warfare in any kind of legal proceeding, especially personal injury law. But recently you're seeing more and more of it in terms of things that weren't challenging before, were just kind of standard operating procedure that now are becoming more challenging. Talk, talk about what you mean by that. Um, it's a lot more adversarial, even sometimes with your own doctors to get records. Mm. It's pretty amazing. You would um, think in a case like this, everybody knows, okay, there's going to be a settlement somewhere. There's going to be money for the doctor and for the client and whatever. And so let's all work together so you, the patient can get the treatment that they need, and then everybody can get paid. I right, mean, right, yeah. I mean, that's, I don't mean to oversimplify <laughs> it, but everybody wants to get paid, and you want to make sure that the right people get paid the right amount. This yes. is not a question of you saying, I'm penny-pinching you know, on behalf of my client. But when you see the doctors even turning a little more adversarial, that's got to be a kind of a head-scratch. Well, it is because the jury instructions say it has to be reasonable and necessary medical treatment. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm not there to judge whether it's necessary because I'm not a doctor, but I'm there to judge whether they're charging a reasonable price mm-hmm. sure. so that um, they're not taking the settlement away from my client. Mm-hmm. Now, when I talk to Stephanie Cover on this program, often we will bring this up, and I'm, this is my time to bring this up, the fact that we know there are a lot of people who get involved in personal injury cases, and they're not me. I will call you. I will text you. You know, you, you know mm-hmm. that. Sometimes to the point where, oh, Roger's calling again. But I have a question because I want to make sure right. if it's actionable or if it's not. And there are too many people who will think, well, gosh, the attorney's going to come in. It's going to be so expensive, and I can't really handle this. So I'll try to figure this out on my own. We really have reached that point, Stephanie, where I think it's fairly safe to say if you're involved in an accident and there's going to be a claim, you have to have an attorney because everybody else has one, and they're all fighting for the same money. Fair statement? Yes, and when people call me after they've started it um, because they don't understand the process, um, they're losing a lot of rights, mm. and which makes it harder to get the settlement. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I'll ever recommend here on the Bottom Line Show, is with me in studio today, <laughs> 877-214-4935, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. That is a real game changer for me, Stephanie, hearing that people who we trust, you know, I'm going to the doctor, they're going to take a look at me and get me back to wholeness and health because that's what doctors do. I understand that medicine's a business, you know, it's a it's a healing art, but also they've got big bills to pay and things like that. But the idea that a doctor's office would kind of hold your medical records hostage, I mean, basically because of some technicalities in the legal system. And this is something new that even after 25 plus years of experience in this, you've never seen anything like this before. 100% correct. Unbelievable. All the more reason to call Stephanie if you have a personal injury case. The time, the timing is so interesting because I always think whenever I think of a Stephanie Cover case, it's kind of hurry up and wait, right? I mean, the minute you have the accident, call Stephanie. Make sure that you got that process set up and then get ready for the fact that there are going to be times when you have to hurry, go see the doctor, talk to this, fill out this form, and other times where you wait because it just, the process takes a while. Help us understand that kind of push-pull, give-and-take type of thing because a lot of people think, wow, I got rear-ended on Friday and I get a check on Monday. It's like, (laughs) no, it doesn't work like that, but it can take some time. Well, it's a bureaucracy. Yeah. It's a corporation. So when a claim comes in in from an agent or from a phone call it goes to a claim center from a claim center it goes to someone in management someone in management then distributes it and then that person's got work already scheduled probably for most of that week mm-hmm. and then they'll look at it there and everything that they do they have to go through layers to get authority mm. authority to pay right so when you do that, um, sometimes I've had where people love, because I've done this so long, where a manager will be on vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, everybody's entitled to their vacation. Mm-hmm. And so when they come back, they get they get to it just like anybody else would, but they're also backlogged. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just have to wait. Um, it, there's just a whole variety of reasons, but a lot of it is it's, it's a bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going through layers and layers. And sometimes some some case may sit on a manager's desk for, for two or three or four weeks. Mm. You never know. So it's okay. I understand the process. And I'll talk to someone and get a um, an understanding of what's going on. And that's all important because you um, 
you have to give the same respect back. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that's hard. I could only imagine there are times when you were right, you knew you were right, you were going before a judge knowing that you were right, and now the judge is also acknowledging that you were right, and you want to look at your opposite counsel and go, nah, 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 or some, <laughs> something like that, just because, but you realize, hey, I'm going to see this guy again, and we're, or we'll be before this judge again, and there's a certain measure. Well, you know, it's it's kind of the gentleness and respect thing we see in First Peter 3 with in terms of sharing your faith. I know your faith is very important to you. It's probably been more of a challenge as a Christian personal injury attorney these past couple of years, has it not, Stephanie Cover? Yes, because a lot of lying and cheating, and I yeah. don't. I have to bite my tongue when there's liars. Yeah, because I'm sure you're looking at them saying, "Really, seriously? <laughs> I know you're lying. The judge knows you're lying. Why are you doing this?" And yet, this is why you need an advocate. I keep yes. stressing the fact that you, as a counselor, if you take the legal counselor. In the most literal biblical form, you're the advocate. Well, they they have to look at it this way that they're they're they don't understand exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're trusting in a corporation that's for profit that wants to make a profit. I have really good insurance. I'm sure they'll pay my claim, right? Well, it's usually not your insurance paying the claim. <laughs> it's the other guys, it's the person right? who hits you, <laughs> yeah, exactly, who has no understanding who you are, who mm-hmm. doesn't care, right? And it's just out to um, try to save a buck. Mm-hmm. And so many times, because people don't understand, they actually they actually make more money hiring an attorney, and it's an easier process. And part of it is, is when you're not feeling well, you you need to focus on getting better. Right. You need to focus on helping your family. Um, sometimes things are harder to do at home. Um, you may need help there, and you really don't feel like fighting. You may not have the normal. Um, a temperament that mm-hmm. you would have sure. if you were feeling well. Sure. And so things roll over you, and that's that's what they like. Yeah, it's amazing. Stephanie Cover with me in studio today. You're on the bottom line. Always special when Stephanie stops by. Uh, 877-214-4935. Stephanie with an F. Cover is in cover. I can't stress this enough. You've got to have her name and number in your contacts. You must because we're getting close to daylight savings time. We're getting into changes in the weather. We know that people are going to have tough times adjusting. Not you. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the other people. It's like I told my kids when they were learning how to drive. I'm not worried about you. It's the 30 million other ding-dongs that are on the <laughs> road. That's who I'm worried about. Yes. But the, the taking that that type of attitude. Stephanie, we have a couple minutes left in our time together. Let, let's talk about this time of year and why, uh, you know, it, it's there are some opportunities for us as believers when we're on the road to really be good witnesses. Yes. If you get involved in a personal injury case, this is really some, an opportunity that our listeners have to not only get the restitution that they need, because that's what you're all about. First and foremost, that's biblical. There's nothing ungodly about saying, hey, my car was totaled, my back's messed up. I need to get some kind of compensation here. That's a very biblical concept. That's You wouldn't right. be in personal injury law if, if, it, if you didn't see Correct. that. Correct. But help our listeners understand you are a tremendous witness for the gospel when you are interacting with these people. I mean, you have to be. Like, I'm sure you've bitten a hole through your tongue many times, you know, for things that you want to say. But you let God do the speaking for you. Talk about why this can be an opportunity for somebody who gets in an accident to partner with you and say, not only are we going to get restitution for my accident, but we're going to show the glory of the Lord to somebody who needs to hear it. Right. Um, You know, it has to do with demeanor. Mm Mm-hmm. And it has to do with, um, it's not just what you say, it's what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's that, your fruits. Yeah, actually, and, and that tone, too. I mean, I, I remember right. preaching early on in my 
preaching career, I, I did a sermon where I'd used the same two words over and over again and kept changing the tone of my voice and my body language. And I said, you have to understand the tone of voice that God is using or Jesus is using or whatever. When That's a big part of the context. Yes. Because if I say, come here, and then come here, you know, same two words. Right. But they have a totally different meaning the way they're presented. Exactly. And the fact that you take that presence, if you have to go to court, and I know you fight like crazy to not have to go to court because it's a waste of time and money sometimes to have to go through that whole theater. Um, but sometimes you got the other party won't respond any other way. It's so refreshing to know that you have a, an advocate on your side in a personal injury case who knows the difference between when do we take the foot off the gas a little bit and when do we put the pressure on because it needs to. Stephanie Covert does that expertly when it comes to personal injury cases, and that's why I highly recommend her. Stephanie with an F, Covert is in cover, 877-214-4935, and especially as daylight savings time shows up, make sure you've got that number in because you've got a much greater chance of someone not driving right because the time changed and all of a sudden, it's not usually this dark at five o'clock. I don't get it. You know, that, that's, I, but we do get it. Stephanie, yes. thank you for the great work that you and Jim do. Thanks for being with us today here on the program. Thank you very much, Roger. Always great to have some time with Stephanie Cover with Cover Law today here on the Bottom Line Show. Uh, was no exception. <laughs> it's always great. 877-214-4935 is how you reach Stephanie. Make sure you have her name and number in your contacts, as I mentioned, or you can find that information when you go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. Some final thoughts for this Good News Friday coming up next as the Bottom Line continues. Over the weekend, I did a little math, and I want to thank you as a bottom line listener for the way that you have stepped up to help our friends at Preborn save babies' lives. Now, when we started this campaign back in the first part of October, our goal was to save 400 children by Christmas Day, and you have stepped up in a huge way. But I didn't think that we would also have the opportunity to provide that kind of sponsorship and put an ultrasound machine in. An ultrasound machine lasts about 10 years. It provides 250 ultrasounds per year, which means it's going to save about 2,500 babies' lives over the course of that 10-year period. Ultrasound machine costs $15,000. So far, because of your generosity, you've helped us raise enough money to place an ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic and have provided ultrasounds for 229 kids. We're about 171 away from that stated goal, and I know we can do it. Can you give a $280 donation right now to save 10 more babies' lives? 833-850-BABY is the number to call, or go to kbrightradio.com and click on the preborn banner. Go to thebottomlineshow.com, go to rogermarsh.com, click on the preborn banner. It takes about 30 seconds to save the life of a baby. Go to preborn and save babies' lives today. My thanks again to Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I'll ever recommend here on the Bottom Line Show for spending some time with us today here on the broadcast. Make sure you have her name and number in your contacts. It's Stephanie with an F, Cover as in cover, 877-214-4935, or just go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. You can start the process there. We hear from so many people. If you've called in the program this week or any weeks here on the Bottom Line Show, when the girls take your calls, or sometimes it's Joel or Todd, but it's usually Crystal or Teresa, uh, here at the Mothership, as it were. We have a different team for our uh, KLTT release in Denver. But the um, when you call in, we'll ask you some questions just because we want to know, I mean, are the people who are sponsoring the show a benefit to you? Are they helpful for you? Have you been able to use them? And and we always hear from a lot of folks who, who say, yes, I'm so grateful for Dennis Wilson, grateful for uh, for Stephanie Cover, uh, grateful for Cliff Peliquin, you know, with his reverse mortgages and, of course, our friends at Preborn. Uh, but the one with Stephanie, it's always encouraging to me when people do have a chance to reach out to her and connect with her. 
because personal injury law is tough, you know, and, and anybody can say they get results. If you drive through any part of any state in America, you're going to find billboards up there with, hi, I'll fight for you, I'll win money for you, big, big money, personal injury. And you and I know that that's really not a biblical approach to this. The biblical approach, the one Stephanie takes, I believe is more like this. It says, look, it's a biblical concept dating back to Old Testament times that if you are injured, damaged, hurt, whatever it it is, in your uh, experience at work, at home, at church, wherever, that it is a biblical concept to seek restitution, to aid in the restoration of what was lost. You know, in the Old Testament, they talk about, you know, if, if a axe handle goes flying off and kills your ox, then you kill somebody else's ox. I mean, what it, it literally is kind of tit for tat in that regard. To find a personal injury attorney who understands that and then also knows the law is huge. It's kind of like finding a church where you find a pastor who understands God's mercy and grace, but also knows the law well enough to know what the purpose of the law biblically is in our lives today as Christians. The law is a mirror that you hold up against your heart to see where you are sinning. It is not a cudgel that we use to beat people over the head and say, you're going to hell unless you agree to pray the sinner's prayer with me. We use the law as a mirror for us. But the grace of God and the mercy of God says, look, your sins are forgiven. This is to show you how to turn around and get back on course now. This is not eternal condemnation. It's course correction. It's restitution. It's part of the redemption process. Any application of the law, I believe, first and foremost, begins and ends with that restorative justice, if you will. That is the good news of the gospel, and that's the bottom line.